0: Welcome to Creators by Moonlight, real
1: conversations with content creators. Shay Dominguez is a comedy content creator. She had a difficult upbringing in the Midwest, but later found an outlet for her pain through improv comedy. Her journey took her from the heartland to the West Coast and currently to the South where she now focuses much of her time on making people laugh through the power of social media.
0: So my childhood I lived in this small town called Shipman, Illinois, about an hour away from St. Louis. And it had 600 people for the population. Uh, So it was technically a village. Everybody knew everybody. Uh, Our high school was uh, like a conglomerate of four different towns because the small towns around couldn't make up their own high school. So that's where I grew up pretty much cornfields surrounding us. I had a mom, a stepdad, and then I was 10 years old before I had any siblings. I actually had a brother pass when I was a year and a half. I don't remember him much, um, but he died of heart disease. And through that whole process, my mom and my dad had divorced. She eventually got remarried and all of that. I was a very emotional child, (laughs) I don't know where that came from, maybe it was because uh, I am a cancer, but I had a lot of pent up emotions in me, I think mostly because when I was in first or second grade, that's when I knew that I was gay. I remember in second grade, I wrote a love note to one of my classmates, a girl. And I set it on her desk. And she read it. And I'm not sure how she knew it was me. I don't know if it was my handwriting or what. But she just looked at me and she said, Shale, is this from you? And I'm not even sure if she was freaked out or if she was just having fun with it. But I immediately retreated. And I said, no, that's not for me. And so... I think that was like my, my moment where I remember that I knew for sure I liked girls. It was very early and living in a town of 600 people in middle America, it's not that easy to be out and proud. So that attitude and just keeping all of that inside, that's how I lived you know, all, all the way through middle school and through high school. And I felt all of that just really build up. And I see it now more that I'm 31 and I see all of these emotions or thoughts that have been with me for a very long time since, since middle school, since those moments where I felt like I would be judged. Remember in seventh grade, I hadn't shaved my legs yet. And I went to the first day of seventh grade and all of the girls had their legs shaved. I felt like a cave woman. (laughs) And so I remember going home after the first day of school and shaving my legs. And that was just, you know, one way that I just really conformed. I felt that I wasn't allowed to be myself because I'm like, why? Of course, why? Well, we have to shave our legs because we're girls, right? So I think those moments, they stay with you. And not just, you know, oh, this person's going to judge me for not shaving my legs. Oh, this person's going to judge me for looking at them for a second too long or talking to them, starting a conversation. It, you know it's there are these big events that i remember but then in my daily life i know that happened all the time just constantly there was a time in middle school and both high school where i would try to like guys there was actually this funny moment i think maybe in 8th grade uh i had a next door neighbor and He was very funny. I liked him. He was a good friend. And he made a joke to the class that he was going to move to Las Vegas. I think his cousins lived out there. So he was going to move out there. And for whatever reason, I had decided that I had a crush on him and that I needed to tell him before he moved to Las Vegas. And so I told him that I had a crush on him. And he said, Oh, I'm just kidding. I wasn't going to move to Las Vegas. That was just a joke. And (laughs) that obviously hurt and was very embarrassing. But at the same time, it really made me realize why was I putting myself out there like that? I think I just wanted acceptance because there were no stakes involved. Truly, he was leaving. And maybe he could just say, hey, I like you too, but I'm leaving, and that would be okay. I remember there was another time in high school where I was supposed to go on this date with this guy, and he never came. And I was so excited to tell my mom because I thought that it would take away from the fact that I was hiding that I was gay. It would shift that attention. I always left those situations feeling empty because there were other moments where I had made out with guys. But it was never a good feeling to me. So there definitely were times where I'm going to try to do this thing because this is what you're supposed to do. And it just never felt right. (laughs) I think in high school is where I really found my humor. I was the class clown. I mean, of my high school, I was voted class clown. And so that's how I really coped with with people liking me, with me being afraid of judgment and saying, I'm going to be funny, so they like me, and so they just don't even have time to judge me. So that went all through high school, and then eventually my senior year of high school, I had a girlfriend, which was hidden for a while. We eventually told our friends, and our friends eventually said, we know. (laughs) Um, And then my mom... And stepdad found out through me and my girlfriend exchanging messages on MySpace, I think. That was a moment that I remember like it was yesterday of coming home from a football game, having a great time with my friends and my girlfriend, and then coming home to my mom and my stepdad in a dark living room (laughs) confronting me about the messages that they found on my MySpace with my girlfriend. They were very caught off guard, which was surprising because, like, I was gay. (laughs) I was gay my whole childhood. I'm pretty sure there was even a point where, if I remember correctly, my mom and my dad had had a conversation of me being gay as a child. But because my mom grew up in the Catholic Church, that was just not going to happen. I think people like to just ignore things. They were very taken aback. They were very frustrated. And I don't know if I'd say disappointed, but I don't think they knew how to properly handle that situation. It's like, great. Now this has been brought to our attention and we have to say something.
1: Even when entering adulthood, Shay's life was still defined by a struggle for acceptance.
0: I actually went to college for basketball, and I had gone to three different colleges. The first college I went to was a private college in Illinois, in Jacksonville, Illinois, middle of Illinois. The college campus was like my small town. It was so small and there were a lot of rules. There were a lot of societal rules that you had to follow. And at that time, I was still dating my girlfriend, but it was just long distance. I would go home every weekend because I just didn't feel like I was finding a community there. There was one other lesbian on campus and everybody knew her. As the one lesbian on campus. And so I kind of felt a little odd being the second lesbian on campus. So I would go home every weekend just so I could be with people I knew and my girlfriend and such. And I actually left, and I'm not proud of this, but I left in the middle of the night at semester, right before Christmas break. I had packed up all of my stuff within the past few weekends. And I moved back home because I just did not feel like I could be myself there. I remember one of the first nights I was there, I was at a party with some basketball players and one of my fellow teammates, she was a sophomore, she asked me in conversation, you're not gay, are you? How am I supposed to answer that? Actually, I am. I said no because that was easy and And that's obviously what I felt comfortable with, even though I felt very uncomfortable. I remember another one of my teammates who I love dearly. She's a very good friend, very sweet, accepting, nonjudgmental. She's so silly. I had gone to her room one night because I was like, I can't keep this secret in any longer. Like, I couldn't concentrate on anything. And I went to her room. I said, I have a secret. And she said, what is it? And I said, guess. So she kept on guessing, kept on guessing. She eventually came across, are you pregnant? And I'm like, no. And she's like, are you gay? First time she said it, are you gay? I said, no. Like, I couldn't even admit it when I asked her to guess. And eventually I did say, yes, I'm gay. And she was the only one who knew. And then a couple months later, I had moved away from that college. I started going to community college and played basketball there. I knew the head women's basketball coach. So I started practicing with the team. And then the next year I came on and played with the team. And at that time, there were a lot of teammates that I had that were gay. So I did feel like I could be myself there. And they were very accepting of that. Then I moved to University in St. Louis and continued to play basketball there. So that was my first experience of like a city. You know, cities are just more open minded. There were also gay basketball players on my team. After I finished two years of basketball there, I stayed at the school and got my MBA. And I worked in the graduate business office and just got to know the university and a lot of people there really well. I i am obviously a creative. I got my MBA in marketing and international business and did not want to do that. My mom has a PhD. So my mom just really takes education very seriously. So that's why I continued college. I actually asked my mom before going to my university, I said, can I please not go? Before I even got the words out of my mouth, she said, absolutely not. Education is important. I get it. But I was an adult at that time. I think that was just another reflection of my childhood of wanting to please people so they can be proud of me or they can accept me. If I have an MBA, that's something to be proud of. Doesn't even matter if I'm gay or not. I have an MBA. So after getting my MBA, I didn't go find a 9 to 5 job because that was the very last thing I wanted. Because I saw people all around me going to these 9 to 5 jobs and they were they were not healthy, they were not happy, not fulfilled. And I was like this is not for me. So I went and got some part-time jobs. I was a personal trainer for a while. I worked at Starbucks and at Starbucks I met a guy Who was doing improv comedy. And of course, people joke about it being a cult, like, hey, you should come join this thing. And, you know, next week I was there. So then I started going to that, took a few classes. I might have graduated within a year. And then I decided I want to do this bigger. I just knew when I was doing improv for that full year and seeing that I was good at it because I had a lot of practice. With making people feel entertained, that's part of my personality that's from my childhood. And there are positives from that, of course. And that just really came out in the improv comedy scene. Through that, I just got insanely inspired. And so that's when I decided to move to Los Angeles. At that time, I was in a pretty serious relationship. And about a month before... I moved out to L.A. We had actually broken up. A lot of things were pushing me to L.A. And I had known that I wanted to get out of Illinois and go somewhere. And I think the beach and the West Coast was like where I wanted to go because that's where people go, where they can feel themselves and be open and free.
1: In 2015, with little more than her newfound love of improv comedy guiding her, Shea loaded her Nissan Versa and headed for the West Coast.
0: My move to LA was, I think, kind of like all of the other stories you hear about moving to LA. I had a best friend and we left at 5 a.m. from St. Louis with my car packed up. Hermosa Beach is where we eventually landed. And I think we got in Hermosa about 3 a.m. And we looked for three or four hotels. All of them were booked. We're like, we're going to sleep in the car until, you know, the sun comes up. So that's what we did. There was a Starbucks right there. So I went in there a little bit. I think I was like blogging at the time. So I went in there to write some blogs as my friend was sleeping in the car. And then we went to the beach and had a lot of fun. That's when that's when the work started. I mean LA is a grind. I stayed in a pretty disgusting Airbnb the first forty days I was in LA in Inglewood, but it was fine. I felt safe and I wasn't silly about what I was doing, so it was fine. But then eventually I moved to the Hollywood area. But I was working at Starbucks and I liked the early shifts because I liked to get it over with. So I would go in at Starbucks at like four forty-five AM. And then I would work and probably nap or something. And then at night, I would go to improv shows and meet people and get up on stage. And that would be until sometimes midnight, one o'clock. And then I would go again to Starbucks and do that, which I think Starbucks, I was only working part time. So I was Ubering the rest of the time because that's something you have to worry about is paying bills. I think at one point I was working 70 hours a week with Uber and Starbucks and I was like, this isn't working because at the time, after the 40 days in Inglewood, I went to an Airbnb in Hollywood, which the Airbnb was a one bedroom apartment and I got the couch and there was a couple living in the one bedroom. So I paid for a couch for $1,000 for the month. (laughs) And after the fact, people were like, you got ripped off. You know that, right? I mean, I still know those people and they're great people. So then after that, I actually moved on the other side of the street to a studio apartment. I was like, I've always wanted my freedom. That's the biggest thing for me is my freedom. So I was like, I need freedom. So I moved into a studio apartment. I could afford one month's rent, which was $1,450. But that was through 70 hours a week of Uber and Starbucks. And I said, I cannot maintain this. I can't maintain this and do improv. Also running my car into the ground, driving it all the time. It was not good. So I actually went on Facebook and found a roommate for my studio apartment. She's awesome. We're good friends today. She's from Chicago. So we're both from Illinois and we just have a lot in common and so she had her queen bed in the studio apartment, and i had I had an air mattress, a twin air mattress in the corner of the room at one point, the air mattress deflated halfway through the night it would be halfway deflated, so every day I would have to blow it up, but it's not comfortable sleeping on a halfway deflated or inflated mattress. so what eventually happened was I let it deflate all the way. And I literally slept on a deflated air mattress. I I don't even know if there was a room for like another bed in there. It was just like this corner that I had. But I was really barely there. I was there to sleep and make meals and cry sometimes, you know. But I have my car for that too. But also my roommate wasn't there that often. She had a good friend who she would stay with quite often. So... Our living situation was fine, and I saved $700 a month just having that second roommate, and I'm sure it helped her out financially as well because she was new too. So that was the first year in LA, an entire year like that. After the first year, I really started taking classes and building better relationships. I actually met a guy in line at an improv show, and he ended up being my roommate. At my next place that I lived at, I I love him so much, and we took the level one improv class together. We might have taken another class together. Seeing that and seeing how much we both grew together was really fun. So that's when I was really able to establish some good relationships and people that I could rely on, people that I knew that I could have fun with and grow with. So it does get easier, but... As you go, you will find new ways to step up to the moment, you know, especially in L.A., where everybody is trying to get to the next level. I had paused on improv and comedy for a bit. I did start music with a good friend, my best friend. I went to a semester of Musicians Institute in Hollywood, learning music. So I was taking guitar lessons, and I was taking some production, music production classes, and, and just a few of those. So on my off day of work on Wednesdays, I would go to class all day. That's where the education comes into play. I love learning, but I want to learn what I want to learn. You know, I don't want to learn stuff that I'm told to learn because I need this degree after putting out my first album and then performing a little bit, then working on the second album, that's when the pandemic hit. I was working at a retail store at the time. I would get on the bus at 9 a.m. and then coming back home, I would get home around 9 p.m. It was ridiculous. I didn't have a lot of time for my creativity, for my artistry, my passion. So then the pandemic hit. I couldn't take classes anymore. I think the school had maybe shut down or went online. So I was at my apartment with my two roommates. I had so much time to myself. I actually started a podcast. (laughs) It's called Level Up with Shay. I interviewed, I want to say, like 24 artists, entrepreneurs, business owners, CEOs, and I asked them how they've leveled up in their lives. And I went through their lives and I just took lessons for that and that was a lot of fun and at that same time I was like I want to do something with comedy and so I had started making videos and I put them on TikTok and a few of them just started blowing up within actually being serious about TikTok within the first I think month month or two I went up to a little over 20,000 followers just because a couple of the videos had gone viral so I was like oh my gosh people Love these. This is awesome. So I continued to make those. And then they were like, hey, we are opening all of the stores back up. So we need you in here. All in all, it was just very stressful. So I eventually stopped making those videos. There are times for grinding, and there are times for sitting back and reflecting on what to do next. I had a couple friends who I wanted to start a project with, and then they said, hey, we are moving to Atlanta, just to let you know before we get started on this project. And I was like, that sounds really awesome because I'm in this job that I don't like. I just needed a way out, and I didn't have a way out other than just, like, taking a huge leap.
1: The huge leap was to move back east to an unfamiliar city in a part of the country Shay had never been to.
0: Within the next month, I quit the job, put in my two weeks. Then two weeks later, I drove from LA to Atlanta in two days by myself with my car packed. I had never been to Atlanta before. I had never been to the South before and I've been to Florida, but that's not the South is what most people say here. It was going to be brand new for me. My initial impressions of Atlanta was that everyone was friendly. They were friendly. For the first seven days, I stayed in an Airbnb with this nice gentleman at his home and had a room there. And he was very kind. He one time barbecued, and he's like, hey, I have some leftovers, Like, feel free, take some. Then I moved into a house with a couple people that I had met over Facebook, and they were nice. I think it's the same in in L.A. versus Atlanta. You need to find your place. You need to be intentional with who you want to spend time with. I actually had a person ask about L.A. the other day. He said, I hear L.A. can be so toxic. Yeah, but so can anywhere else. You just have to find your people because I had good people in L.A. that kept me grounded, that kept me going, and that's who I stuck to. And so same thing out in Atlanta. I think I'm even more intentional about how I want to spend my time and who I want to spend it with. So, I think as an impression of Atlanta, there are a lot of people out here working hard and really using their gifts to create things and to help people and to inspire other people. And seeing that is amazing. There are so many awesome people here, so many funny people. I go to comedy shows all the time. I just hosted the ATL Comedy Awards. It was produced by Donic Rocano, who I met through a mutual friend, and it was insane. Three days of comedy, three days of live comedy and filmed comedy that was screened. It was amazing seeing that work put into something and it just come to fruition. And he's building. It's the second year, first year in person because last year was over the pandemic. And seeing that is inspiring. So I've been doing comedy for seven years, starting classes and everything. There is an acceleration eventually as you keep going. This past year has been probably the most accelerated year for me as far as personal growth that I've ever experienced, which is crazy to me because I always thought that was going to happen in L.A., It was hard for me to move from L.A. because that's my dream place. And what do people think when you move from L.A.? They think you're quitting. They think you're giving up. I know what I'm doing. I know that I'm not quitting. I know what I love to do, and I'm going to continue to do it. And I've just learned over the past year that it goes faster.
1: To have her comedy reach modern audiences, Shay had to become an expert at social media.
0: It's so funny as far as focus or trying different things. There are so many theories out there with content. There's Gary Vee, and he's like, try everything. And then there's these other people who are like, focus on one thing. For me, honestly, I have my own journey. And there is no one way to do it. I've enjoyed trying different things because. I do have talents in different places, and it's been fun exploring those talents. But going through music and improv, you really discover what you want and what you're really good at and what you want to get really, really, really good at. And everything you do helps you with something else that's coming. So improv has helped me connect with people. It's helped me be comfortable on stage. My podcast has helped me become a good interviewer and a good conversationalist. It's allowed me to meet people. My TikTok and the videos that I make, I've learned so much from that. I've learned writing. I write every single one of my TikToks down. You know, I record myself. I edit. I did teach myself the technical side in addition to YouTube. When I went to Musicians Institute, I learned there how to create music, obviously, and audio. So that helped a lot with podcasting. And then with editing, I learned Premiere Pro on my own. Photoshop, I learned at Musicians Institute, which has really helped. But yes, most of that stuff has been self-taught. YouTube articles, just a ton of research. Having other people who are doing the same thing who can help me with that. But yeah, it's been definitely self-taught. With social media, I've had an interesting relationship with it. You know, you hear my story, of course I have a a weird relationship with it, but it's because from my point of view, at one point it was based on all judgment. On I put this out here, people are going to judge it and they're going to, you know, they're going to heart it if they like it and if not they're going to scroll past. Honestly, with social media, if I could share anything with anybody, it would be that your value is not based off of the numbers on social media. That's something that I've had to come to terms with. There are so many factors that go into social media. There are a lot of posts that I don't even see that possibly people on the other side could be like, why isn't she liking my post? Or why, why aren't more people liking my posts? There are just so many factors. So at the end of the day. Social media is something where you are giving something away without an expectation of reciprocation. You have to, or you will literally drive yourself crazy wondering why people aren't liking this or liking that. There is a way to get better and to make your stuff have more engagement, just more enjoyable, more attention catching. But at the end of the day, you have to give it away for free. I am on many platforms. You can find me everywhere. I'm even, of course, on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, which my podcast episodes are just still all out there. I'm on YouTube, uh, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I mean, of course, LinkedIn, but I don't really, thats not really my audience. The hottest platform to be on right now absolutely is TikTok because the videos can go viral any second. I would say Facebook is the other one. Facebook now, they have integrated the reels into their platform. And with the stuff that I put on TikTok, people on Facebook love it. And a lot of them are honestly a lot of people from my hometown and you know their friends and such. But Facebook has been big for me. I would say, yeah, those are the two big platforms for me. and. I, I say for creators, and I actually just moved because I would put my videos on my personal page, but I have a business page. Like I have a page where you can like and follow and all that. And I think it's important for creators to see themselves as businesses, which a very good friend of mine, um Heather, said to me a while ago that creators should see themselves as businesses, take themselves seriously. And that's what it is for Facebook. Like make sure you're putting your stuff. On your business page, because so many people have requested to be my friend on Facebook because they see those videos. And I'm like, I don't know you, but I want you to see all of this stuff. So I'm going to put it on my business page and you can follow in like that. You can have up to 5,000 friends on Facebook and you can have no limit on your Facebook page. So that's been a shift that I've made lately. Instagram is fine. But for me, it's full of a lot of pictures. I had somebody who who was a big she was in a big marketing position like CEO marketing. And she said, Instagram, you post things to make other people jealous. And that's not how I want to approach Instagram. That's not how I want to approach anything. Put a picture of me out there with with jewelry and cars or whatever. No. Like, I want to put it out there for inspiration, motivation, or sharing my journey. My Gary and Mary Instagram has like 86 followers or something like that. And it's so funny how that compares to like the 22,000 on TikTok, but like they definitely don't convert. But I did have a video on Reels get shared and it got, I think, over 80 likes which I was shocked by because I only have 80 followers. So it was obviously shared quite a few times. That is the virality of what you want. That's what you get from TikTok. Gary! Hey. Yes, Gary. Hey. Can I play you a song I wrote? Okay, well, let me get dressed. About the quarantine. Gary. Yeah. Please. <laughs> It's actually starting to clean up. So, Gary and Mary, I remember I was parked in my car at the top of this hill that was right by my apartment in la that i would always go to it's right by Capitol records on vine street just this really historic street and so i would always go out there to just decompress and gary and mary just came to my mind just that name so gary and mary are twins everybody who sees them online thinks that they are married (laughs) they're not married they're twins but gary is this very naive enthusiastic person he has this country accent, uh, which obviously I know from my hometown. I imagine some silly idea of him saying something silly came to my head because I can't really remember what my first idea was for it. I just remember the concept Gary Mary came to my head. I truly think it was from a higher being. I'm not religious, but I can say God and like not be scarred by it. Um, so I do think it was like from God. Just a million dollar idea you know type of thing that so many people've caught on with, but it's really an internal dialogue in my head of this silly guy just questioning everything and his sister just I would say getting a little annoyed by him because he is he does ask so many questions and he he wants to explore and he wants to open up and bring joy to the world. Like he wants joy. He wants to have fun. And so I think he seeks it out. And like, even I just posted a video the other day of him opening the mail. It just turns into something fun. You know, just this small task that we do every day just turns into something that people can get a laugh out of. That is the main outlet for my comedy. I will say it's been it's been a journey with that of doing it for myself because I used to put out videos three days a week and that's how it really caught on. And then I started going back to work and people when I would post like one here, one there, people would get on and say, we miss you. Come back. And I would take that to heart because I did want to, but I felt like I couldn't because I didn't have time. And so I would feel a little bit of resentment towards my audience because I'm like, well, they don't know that I don't have time. They don't know that I'm not getting paid and doing this full time. You know, it sounds very selfish, but I think that's something that a lot of creators go through not being able to have the time to put out as much as they want and then having to step back because when you do it, it doesn't feel good because it feels like you're doing it just so you can please these other people. Again, like I said earlier, it's not about pleasing these people. It's about using your gift and giving them joy. I've gotten so many messages and so many comments that have been, this made my day. I had one the other day. It was like, I just got out of surgery and this just gave me so much joy. So thank you. That's what it's for. It's not for holding up an invisible commitment of three days a week. It's Doing as much as you can and just keeping that avenue open for joy, you know, because I have fun making them. I laugh and even editing them like I laugh and I watch them over and over. And I want that to be a freeing experience to where I just give it to them and let them have their experience with it. So that was a big thing that I really had to work through and to learn about myself and about creating A friend told me the other day that you are an entertainer, so people are going to expect you to entertain them. And as long as you like that and that brings you happiness, then do it as much as you can with being authentic, of course. You don't want to go to dinner and be like, I have to entertain these people. You want to be able to relax. But as your job and as your gift, if you're an entertainer, give it away freely. And I think, you know, more than money or fame or whatever that looks like to you, success, it's happiness. And it's like, I know that I'm bringing my full self and my full ideas to these people and they're accepting it. And that's an awesome feeling. So I had some people reach out from brands and companies and such to make sponsored videos, but I just want to find the right fit before I do that. And I just haven't found that yet. But as far as monetizing, I think I do want to give some space for me to put out more videos and more content. As a creator in general, I want to like this, I want to tell my story to other people because I want that to inspire them. As far as Gary and Mary, there are endless opportunities with that that I see. Not only with brand deals, but with shows. I have a lot of ideas for it and It's just building it. It's just putting in work brick by brick and not rushing it in any way because whatever comes will come in due time, I believe. What I really want to do is build community. And that's so important these days because if somebody doesn't feel a part of your community, especially when you're trying to sell them on something, they're just going to scroll right past.
1: Presently, Shay is careful to maintain a work-life balance that allows her to create her content while paying the bills.
0: I have a a good job right now as far as work. I get to do a lot of stuff that I enjoy. As like an entrepreneur, I work with a good friend who's a life coach. For my real job, I spend, depending on the week, about twenty five to thirty hours. And then on my creative stuff. I'd say I spend about 20 hours. Right now, I do stand-up, and I'm also taking a stand-up class. So all of that time isn't just making videos and editing and putting them out. It's also me learning how to be well-rounded. So yeah, a lot of the stuff that I do now and those hours that I put in are also outside of the video making in Gary and Mary and focusing on just me being a well-rounded entertainer. I don't consume a ton of content. I love Gary Vee. He obviously has a team working for him and everything, but he's so smart and so sure of himself and so empathetic, which is his thing. And he's doing so many things; like nobody can tell him anything, and I think that's that's awesome. But he's open to listening, you know. Liza Koshy, I think that's how you say her last name. I started watching her YouTube videos. Like I had known about her. But I started watching her YouTube videos a couple months ago. And she's been in the YouTube game for like six years or something. And she has her own YouTube show that she has filmed. And I think she just put out her third season. And I just started watching the first season. But I think she is hilarious. She's someone that I look at for inspiration as far as what I want to do. She does multiple things. She has a clothing line. And she has this show and she travels and she performs and entertains and she's just a multi hyphenate and that's very inspiring. I don't consume a ton of content. When I find that I consume a lot of content, my ideas come from that content. And I do not like that because I have so many ideas going through my brain that I write them all down and then I get stressed out because I can't do them how I want to do them. I have too many ideas and none of them are my ideas, which I understand you you can get inspiration from other people. I think it's, I could be wrong, but I think Lil Wayne, when he is making an album, he does not listen to music at all. Because he doesn't want to be influenced by what he hears, he wants it all to come from him. I completely see where he's coming from because the ideas that came to my head were not—they're funny. They could be completely funny, but they weren't mine. They were branched off of these other people' ideas who are doing it very well. I have a whiteboard I wrote on the other day, and I said, uh, "It says go out there and do something nobody else is doing." And I have that opportunity with Gary and Mary that literally nobody else is doing that. And I'm going to continue that because I'm having fun with it. People like it. And um, I think it can just go like really big places. I think this journey, as far as the creative space, is leading me to open up to my full potential. What I want to do, I want to... Be on the screen. I have movie ideas, I have TV show ideas, I have sketch show ideas. I think more than just doing that and performing on camera, I want to change lives, like truly, because I see myself as a kid. And if The message that I have now through all of these years can be translated into something that these children can understand, and that is the dream for me. Advice that I would give people who are younger than me or whoever needs to hear this is get quiet more often, whether that's through meditation. I meditate 10 minutes every day. That's it. It doesn't have to be an hour. It's just 10 minutes. And it helps me ground myself for the day. But not only that, throughout the day, because we can get on our phones and we can get on the internet, the computer, social media, and just be so distracted that we never just stop and sit with our thoughts. We never just sit with our thoughts, and our thoughts design and create our life. That is not. Some woo woo stuff that is science because your thoughts are energy and this entire world is energy. And so, if you don't realize that you have a thought in your head of you're judging this person every time you know you see them do something and you don't, you just take it as is, you take it as this concrete thing, I don't like them because of this, and never question that, then your life is going to. Keep showing you things to judge instead of you consciously thinking of things to love about that person. And if you think instead of, I hate them because of this, you say, I love them because of this, then life will show you more of that. Then life will show you more of what you love. And it's kind of like backwards because life shows you, but actually you asked life for that to show up. So you actually made that happen. And you decided to see things that way. I think that's so important. You are a creator. Everybody is a creator. You create your own life. You create your own life to wrap it all up, get quiet more often, be aware of your thoughts, and just live a little more consciously. And your life will change little by little, and uh, it'll be your creation. Thanks for listening to Creators by Moonlight. Email the show at creatorsbymoonlight at gmail.com and follow the show on social at Creators by
1: Moonlight.